Welcome in to episode 114 of the House of L podcast. I'm Lauren Thomas. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. I'm excited for you to hear this week's episode. It is with one of my favorite people. And she's been one of my favorite people for damn near 20 years. So I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Sarah Kustak, who she just keeps doing great stuff. She does really great stuff. More on that in a minute. I told you a a while ago that when it comes to this podcast, that I was only going to take advertisers that I knew and I worked with and I really like. So I am excited to bring aboard for the next few months my guy, David Hochberg. You hear him on the score, like you hear us doing the commercials on the score, but he actually reached out to me. I was like, hey, I want to be on the podcast. I was like, okay. So he is now going to be a sponsor of the podcast, and I'm a big proponent of helping the people who help us, supporting the people who support us, and David is one of those people. He's really good, and he actually did help me with not only a a refinance on my condo, but helping me buying my home, and he can help you in that department, 56david.com. The great thing about him is that he, there's no... There's no nonsense with David. Like you get in, you get out. He gets stuff done. Like he runs through walls for people. So if you're out here looking, if if you want to get a little bit more financial literacy on things, he can help you in that department too. 56david.com, Homeside Financial and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1124061. So go check it out, 56david.com. New sponsor of the House of L podcast. Yay! That's how you do it. Back to Sarah. I've known Sarah since she walked on campus at DePaul. She is a phenomenal, or should I say is or was? She was a phenomenal basketball player and now is a tremendous broadcaster. Working for the Yes Network, doing a great job for Fox Sports, she got her first Emmy. Like, like that's crazy to me. She got an Emmy. Her and Ian Eagle, they're the first play-by-play team to get an Emmy the same year for what it is they do. So you have the play-by-play guy getting uh, an Emmy and an analyst getting an Emmy on their broadcast of Nets basketball. And it couldn't happen to a nicer person. Sarah and I, along with crossing paths at DePaul, I was an alum by the time that she was a student because I'm much older than her, but we also crossed paths at NBC5. We worked together for a little while before her big star turn. We had the chance to like anchor together and you'll hear us talking a little bit about this, working together and what that was like. And we were put into a position, shout out to my man, Jeff Glick. There was one of these weekends where everyone was sick. And they were like, hey, could you two host Sports Sunday? And we were like, sure we can. We totally host Sports Sunday. And it turned out great because she's great. Really happy for her. She's a straight-up trailblazer. The fact that she is widely recognized as one of the best analysts in men's basketball is top-notch. The fact that she is doing NBA games, and there's no quibbles. 
Because, you know, it shows a little bit of progress by us society-wise, societally. It, it does. But if you listen to her break down games, you know that she knows exactly what she's talking about. She takes a lot of pride in it. And she works her tail off to make sure that she gets stuff right. It doesn't hurt that she's got the bona fides of actually being a player. And I've noticed that, and we talk a little bit about that in in the conversation. Ball is ball. If you know ball, whether it's Sarah Kustak or Doris Burks. Did I just put an S on Doris's name? Doris Burke. People respect it. And you can tell, you can see the respect that Sarah gets when she's out here. So we did this a little while ago when things were starting to turn around a little bit in New York. Like that's where she lives now, even though she's Sandberg's finest. So we talked a little bit about where things are and basketball coming back, but we mostly talked about her and, and her rise and her career. I think she's got a great template for people to follow. She has an incredibly positive message, which I'm a fan of, and, and I'm a fan of her. And she she walks it like she talks it. And she's out here doing great things. So I wanted to talk with her about how she got to where she is. And she was nice enough to sit down with me. This is my buddy, Sarah Kustak, and I getting together, talking broadcasting and talking ball. Hey! Did I start my? There we go. Hey! How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Do you think I would have mastered the Zoom stuff by now? And I feel like every time I click onto a new thing, it's a whole. <laughs> I try and get it right. No, I think that we're all like in that space of we, we had. Oh my god, we did the show on Friday, and uh, Casey Johnson, like we brought him on because we wanted to talk about Jerry Sloan passing and he, his kids have been using zoom and they had a, a cat background. No, he, Wait, was that, honestly, I saw one of the, I saw a tweet. I didn't dig into what it was, but I saw Casey Johnson and cats. And I was like, I wonder what that, what, I wonder what that's about. Yeah. We were all like, yo, cause he didn't know, like he had no idea. And he, he honestly was like, how do I get rid of it? Like, how do I change the background? So we had to walk him through it. So I think we're all kind of going through that stuff. So I know, I know. And we've been using it for because I've been doing like NBA radio and they have this whole setup with the mic and all this stuff. And then I like recalibrate the sound on this. And then we do show and I'm like, I, I can't. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of audio technician stuff that's going on. But I'll tell you, like, I've actually really enjoyed it. I, I like it. So because, you know, I've. I wasn't able to really do shows from home, like like interviews from home. So I used to always go into the studio and do them because okay. you wanted the sound quality. But I found that the Zoom mic stuff, like I'm recording right into Adobe Audition, like it sounds like it sounds better than the phone. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's just and it's so much more accessible now. I think like as I'm sure you're experiencing. And I even feel this way doing stuff for people. It's like it's now people for as much as I joke everyone's done it. Everyone knows how to use Zoom. You can call up someone and be like, hey, does this work? And then, yeah, so. Yeah, it's been crazy. So thanks for doing this. I appreciate oh gosh, it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And so, you know, I'm recording. I'm recording because you have to tell people you're recording. Um, <laughs> l- 
I, I let me start with this. I want to ask you a lot of stuff about like your career, but before I do that, what's this been like for you to to not have basketball in your life? Like it's such a big part of who you are. So what's it been like to not have it? That's a tremendous question. I can't remember. I know a lot of people have, have been saying this. I can't remember the last time I was in one city, one mind you, my in my home, but just in one location for this long of a period of time. Because throughout the course of the NBA season, we're obviously all over traveling to different places. In the off season, I have some work, but that's also a time for me to travel, whether it's to get back to Chicago, whether it's to go somewhere else. And I'm even thinking back to, you know, when I was in college or things like that. And it's like, man, this has just been a whole new world of you're in one spot and this is where you're at. I think in terms of without basketball in live sports, um, me along with everyone else, just it's it makes you realize how much you appreciate what you get to watch, what you get to do, the opportunity of what our careers are that it surrounds sports. I will say though, for me, what I've embraced and what I've loved, and this is even before the the last dance and in um, you know how that's captivated so much of what we were watching. I was like glued on whether it was NBA TV or whether it was you know different ESPN or you name it. When they were running some old games, I'm like, gosh, there are so many games, whether it's early 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, things we talk about, players uh, that we often think about, whether it's Magic and Bird, you name it, that I was like, this is such a nice stretch of time where I'm not thinking about your current priorities or the current players or current prep um, and just sit and watch game after game after game and kind of go through rabbit holes of whether, you know, you're on YouTube watching highlights or whatnot. So for me, that's been my way of still um, soaking up as much basketball to make things seem as, as normal as, as they possibly could be. How optimistic are you now that we're starting to see like a little bit of a buzz that there might be an end to the season or at least the playoffs to the season? That's a fascinating question because if you would have asked me this a week ago, I would have told you, you know, not that I, I had, you know, one way or another, a lot more information than anyone else did, but I did not necessarily think that they would come back throughout the course of the last, you know, few days or week or so. Um, it seems like there's a ton of momentum that, that this made happen and if it happens at you know down in Orlando we've all heard the same type of reports the NBA now coming out with a formal statement I think also triggers the fact that this is more than just reports but they are saying these type of things they've had all the calls whether it's with the the board of governors the players um my only hope I think there's a lot of different sides to this I just continue to put a lot of trust whether it's an Adam Silver his people whether it's the voices of the players um, just an understanding health is first and foremost to me and I think it goes beyond just the players beyond just organizations to their families obviously to what everyone's dealing with um, so is in my heart of loving basketball I'm hopeful that they're able to finish things out but I, I'm hopeful in a manner of if it's not 
what's most responsible to do. Um, I just hope whatever the most responsible decision is, that that's what we see happen. Yeah, it kind of caught me off guard this morning seeing Governor Cuomo saying, yeah, you can open up your facilities to the sports teams in New York. And that's a testament to how much better things have gotten in New York because it, yeah. it, it was looking horrible for a very long time. Oh, Lawrence, it was bad. And even like where, you know, the Brooklyn Nets practiced their training facility, there was, you know, kind of a makeshift medical circumstance and situation that they had right across the street. And so, yeah, it's those type of things where while it, it, you go back and forth between feeling like we've, we've been in this quarantine for so long, but then on the flip side of things, you don't necessarily see the light on the other end that you're going to come out of it soon. So that was a bit for, for New York, especially um, just given the precautions here and, and understanding uh, the amount of people that it's affected, that, that was a big change and a big shift. I was thinking about this this morning, you know, thinking about the things that I wanted to talk with you about you called like the last completed sports event because the, the, the women's big East tournament was right before everything broke bad. And I remember like I was going to co- I was up in the press box, like and kind of walking around and I was going to say something to you, uh, but you were busy. Like you were doing your thing. And, and I thought about this morning. I was like, wow, like that's, well, let me fill you in more on that. And I don't want to spend too much time on this though. It, it's just, it's surreal when you really wrap your head around it. And Lawrence, I am never too busy for you. That is true. Uh, I am never, ever, ever too busy for you. But so I finished on the, the Big East women's title game that Monday night. I had a flight Tuesday morning out to LA um, calling the Lakers Nets games at Staples on Tuesday night. And the crazy thing is got to LA, you know, we're talking to people, we get to Staples and we're like talking to, and they had already implemented in the NBA different media structures. So for players, they would bring them into one room. I think this is much more um, publicly seen and understood in the Rudy Gobert videos of him touching the microphones, but that was a setup where, you know, those things were starting to take shape. And I think that's when all of us were having an understanding of, okay, this may be a little little more real than maybe what we had initially understood from the span of Tuesday night. And we were told to social distance, please don't, you know, get, get too close to players or, you know, too close to each other. And we were, but we were all still around each other, those we knew. Um, not to say we weren't careful about it or mindful, but it, it wasn't nearly what we understand it to be now. Finish the game that night. Next morning, we have a flight to go to San Francisco and we're uh, the Nets playing the Golden State Warriors. It was that Thursday. I was on Colin Coward's show in L.A., on Wednesday morning and the big news that just broke that we were talking about throughout my whole it was the fact that the Nets and Warriors are going to play a game without fans. Um, and that was based on the fact figure out the camera and, and the opportunity to be creative where you're placing some of your cameras without fans. By the time we land in San Francisco, we're in our rooms for about an hour or two. That's when Rudy Gobert tested positive and that Oklahoma City jazz game was suspended, the league suspended, um, and everything kind of turned upside down in his head. And it's like from, from the span of just a couple days, how quickly things change. Um, and, it, you know, good, good that it did. However, it, it's really amazing when you think about um, 
just the sports world and how things that you think will never go away or things that you think, you know, are just a, a constant mainstay. Um, you know, this is so much bigger than sports and so much bigger than basketball. How important is ball to you? Because it's been your companion for forever. And I mean, you were, you were living that life out. I'm so like, I get so hyped up and encouraged because you've loved basketball since you were a little kid. And now you get to be around it all the time. And you're now an answer to a trivia question. You know, when we start talking about women taking a prominent role in men's basketball, you're now on that list. So how does that little girl get to be this grown woman? Oh, it's funny you say that because it's, it's, it's everything to me. And it's everything to me in the sense that when you talk about loving it since I was a little girl, every, every memory, every beautiful memory, every memory of challenge and growth, um, whether it's with, you know, my brother, kids in the neighborhood growing up, AAU, um, you know, you name it. Just I go back to all points of my life. And this is from when I could just start to walk. I mean, I remember being, you know, out in our back alley when I first started. And I could barely remember anything, but I remember, you know, me and my brother figuring out the hoop and just kind of how that was all rolling. And even in high school or when I have, and that's what I, you know, sometimes you'll talk to different people or you have circumstances, situations, how do you handle this? I'm like, I remember being, and now I look back, I'm like, gosh, what, like, what did the neighbors think? What did, uh, <laughs> but I, truly, because, because I was as, as young as I could, I could be in fifth grade, I could be in sixth grade. If I, I just out at the, you know, when my brother was with me or whether it was cousins around or whatever, but just even me individually, all hours of the night, just shoot it. And it would help me think, you know, whether it was just had a bad day and you just want to go shoot, whether I was in high school, had a bad game, you want to go and shoot, you wake up in the morning. Um, it was everything. It was the people that you knew. I think about the connections and the people that I have and whether it's, I think the question comes up about being a female in the NBA and, um, you know, those questions that continue to circulate all the time about what's it like being a woman in this world. I'm like, I, like I was a, I was a 13 year old kid as boys were going through puberty, like I was, I was playing on their teams and I was playing in this tournaments and I was the only girl here. It never registered to me um, any difference because it's ball and you're hooping. And if you have the skills or if you have the ability, the competency to be in a lane, then that's the lane you run in. And I think that's just kind of how I always approached everything. And I think it's just made, you know, we all talk about what helped make you who you are. And it's just such an integral part. And I'm so passionate about it. I love it. And that's why I say like this job, I say it to a lot of people, and I'm sure you feel the same way in covering. I never, the, the homework I do, the prep I do, the research I do, um, how much you feel like you need to be prepared, I eat it up. I'm like, oh, so to prep, I need to sit here and watch, <laughs> you know, games for five hours. I'm in. And um, I think it's a, a really special special thing when you find something that you're so passionate about that you have the opportunity um to help it you know make it a part of your career and, and help make it motivate you and challenge you um and help you to grow and i'm really i'm just so thankful for that and i really mean that what did it mean to you to go from working sidelines and you were doing a great job on the sidelines to then being offered the analyst chair. What was that like? Uh, humbling, really humbling. 
but also Lawrence, it was a circumstance where just the dots connect. And I think for all of us, I would, cause I even, I talk about this quite a bit when I was a kid, speaking of hoops and everything, like I, I went to Nepal cause of hoops. I studies were always really important to me. School was always extremely important to me. I understood why you needed to compete in the classroom or compete in those areas as much as you did on the court because of um, your future. But there was never a job. I didn't fully understand broadcasting or sports broadcasting. So until I got out of it and was doing some, you know, some uh, production runner and understood what happened in the truck, understood this opportunity, that's when I fell in love with it. Um, so I say that to say that I, I didn't really realize growing up or even in college that this is what this type of career had meant. So I enjoyed every bit of it. And I think as you go along and you kind of look back, as long as you're pouring yourself into whatever opportunity you have, internship you have, um, it helps you get to the point where you're going. So when people ask me about, oh, your story or, oh, how did you get this job? I'm like, it, it went left, it went right, it went up, it went down, it, it went in all sorts of circles. And so when that happened, um, a opportunity to cover in the NBA, I have so much love for. And I, I, when I got to the Brooklyn Nets and was doing that job and even covering the bull, I, it formulated to me like, yeah, the NBA is the place I want to be. This is the role that I love most, but I didn't necessarily see that being a pathway and so when it all happened it was i think it just lit a, a fire under me you know it, it, it ignited me in a way of like gosh you better you better work your, if you thought you were working your behind off before you better absolutely work your butt off um every moment of every day doing this job to become better because i don't ever want i want to earn this role every single day because of how much i really love it um, and love the nuances, the details of what what you get to do in your job. I think that it's interesting, and I think other leagues are starting to move in this direction. But for some reason, the NBA seems to be a place where you can advance, where you look at what Doris Burke has been, for example, what Beetle was doing, what you're doing in the league, like there, what Roz was doing. Like there seems to be an opportunity for women to to move on in broadcasting a men's game. I've noticed in the way that your partners react to you, that there is no difference. Like that they are treating you the same way they would treat anyone else. And I think that that's great. I think that you can see the respect that they have for your game in every broadcast, in every toss. Like when you talk with Ian, like there, he, he is, he gets it. Like you're the analyst. And so that respect level, where do you think that comes from? And why do you think the NBA has kind of been on the forefront of this? That's an excellent question. And I think that's so important. Um, and I think it's really special. I think in many ways, the NBA is progressive in that, right? And I would categorize that even in the broadcast aspect, the so many of the females in front offices, assistant coaches, um, you know, in performance teams, like it, it is crossed all areas. I think that's where, when you mentioned Doris Burke or even like Ann Myers Drysdale, what she did when Stephanie Reddy was a part of that Charlotte Hornets um, broadcast. I think there's obviously a responsibility to anyone stepping in a different role like that um, to be competent enough. Like I think those, it's it's the concept of those who've gone before you paved the way for those behind and 
we hope we're all doing that for one another. Um, and I also think, I, I don't know what it, I think it's just the idea of, you know, the, the preparation. If you put in the work, if you have the background, if you have the understanding of the game, um, there is, and I think sometimes that exists and there's still not that same respect level. I too think it comes from the coaches and from the players. I remember like some of the things that are uh, most meaningful to me, even before I would say I was put in that role f- full time and even the pre- previous seasons when I had one game or I had a couple games or they started giving me some games, the players were, were very excited for me and they were enthusiastic about it because they knew how but it was also not like, oh, this is cute that you're getting an opportunity to do this. It was, oh yeah, like you, we, I, oh, Sarah, I listened to this last night. Yeah, like, and did you also know when they can talk, you're talking the language in the same manner, you're seeing the same type of things. Um, and to me, I, I have so much respect for NBA players and coaches. And um, again, it, it stems throughout the organizations because you feel that from the players. And I think, you know, so many of us, I've talked to Roz about this speaking up, you know, we all talk to each other and it's like, if the players are showing that type of respect and we see this amongst the NBA and the WNBA and the way in which they respect those games, um, there's something, there's something about the leagues, the individuals that I am so appreciative for, because I think it all, it starts from those places as well. Let's talk about the last dance for a second. You were you were a Dominique gal, right? Isn't that why you wore twenty one back in the day? Yeah, well, yeah, I I was I I had a lot of love. I also had like a ton of love for Trump. One of my friends was like, I know you obviously always like the Bulls were your team, but they're like you used to love Barkley. I was like, what? I can't love Barkley. And also, <laughs> I also love like no. We remember during that series, like you picked the Bulls, but like you were super excited about the Suns and Barkley. I'm like, who wasn't? Um, no, the bull, well, I'll let you ask your question, but the bull, the bulls were everything to me. Like you talk about a love for basketball. I was about like eight to 16 during that stretch of the last dance. So it's when you're, you're like starting to get middle school, junior high and getting into high school. Like to me, those are the, some of the most formative years. Um, and Michael Jordan, Scotty, like all, all the teams, it was all everything. Scotty was my guy. So I'm because I'm significantly older than you. Uh, so let's see. I am 16 to 22 during that span. And Scotty was my guy. It's the only basketball jersey I own. Is Scotty Pippen uh, uh, Olympic jersey. Back then or currently? Forever. Any, there, no basketball jersey that isn't my own. One that I didn't earn. The only one that I have that I didn't earn is the Scotty Pippen USA jersey. Like that was my dude. Oh, I I that was like my oh. guy was Scottie Pippen. So uh, he's he's still like I I still love watching highlights of Scottie because he was so graceful like as a player. And once he kind of got over the hump of of all of them getting over the hump and beating Detroit, like I still got bad feelings for Detroit. Like I'm still mad at Isaiah. Like there's like all oh, sorts. Of I stuff. love like I see Isaiah Matthew work and like I love Isaiah. That's I. I'm not a good person to get into. There's a, I, I'm on different shows and things and people want like the controversy. I'm like, can't I just love? No, like, 
They're so dang talented. Can't we just look like appreciate them? No, you you can love them all. You can love them all. No one wants to let me give that answer. No, I'm going to allow for you to love them all because I don't want to put you in a bad spot. I'm just trying to let you know how how I felt about it. But it it was really cool to watch all of this stuff play out. And it's crazy because to me... It was, it was a little bit more, to me, it was like this. It was the history of the Bulls championships. It was the history of Jordan, for sure. It was almost the history of hip-hop in there, too. Yes. And the history of Chicago. So it was like all the things that I love put into 10 hours of, of stuff on ESPN. 100%. And to me, and I'm curious if you felt this way, um, being the ages I was or certain times and, you know, it was appointment television watching those games and just who they were. And then you get excited about, you know, the different players and teams and the championships. And um, there was so much detail that I had no clue about. Um, And in watching it and even like the concept of it being the last dance, even the concept of, um, you know, the understanding prior to the season that Phil wasn't coming back. And, um, even like, I remember when Michael, like there's things about Michael going to play baseball that you kind of remember, but not really the stuff was, there was so much in there that I'm like, yeah, I, like there was something fuzzy that you remember a little, but I had no idea. So to me, um, I love that. Yeah. And there were certain moments about Chicago, you know, this, and I'll say this till I'm, um, you know, till I'm blue in the face, but I, Chicago is home. Um, and I love New York and I love it here. And, but watch it even like during the, the parades or the celebrations mm-hmm. or just thinking about being in the United center or, you know, old Chicago state, just, there was so much, um, that you watch and you just feel like I did, I was swelling up with some of pride of like, that's, that's your city. That's your home. Um, and it was really, it was really fun to see that. We've been on a good run, Sarah. We really have, because I don't know that the all-star game could have gone better. Like I thought that that was the most, that was the most Chicago shit ever. Like the all-star game was awesome. Yes. Incredible. And that's like, that's to me, um, I think, and I'll say this, there is such a tremendous amount of respect, I think, whether you're globally across for Chicago, um, for the city itself, the love for the city. Um, but with the Bulls having some, you know, years that have been some leaner years or whatnot, like that's the all-star weekend and just people having such a great appreciation for what that city is and um, what basketball means to the city and just the rich, rich history I, it's amazing, and I know there's change, changes coming with the, with the Bulls organization and whatnot. And I'm always like, I will always um, want the best for for what's going to happen for that organization. But just for the city itself, um, they just continue to show out. They continue to show out, and I think just being a Chicagoan that always makes you proud. I know that you are an extremely humble person. Like you don't go out here and brag, but that Emmy, you winning an Emmy, what did it mean to you to win an Emmy? To For being an analyst, what did it mean? You're right. And I, do, I don't like to talk about myself. And um, I, I think, it, and I mean this from my heart, um, 
the reason why I love what we do, the reason why I also love broadcasting is that in so many ways, it, it is the closest thing that I can feel like an athlete and feel like you were what you were when you were on the court. So when the red light goes out, like you are live, you may succeed or fail. You're going to have great times. You're going to have tough times. Um, and it's also the idea of you're a part of a team. And what your team is, you're only really as good as the team around you. And for those of us on camera, we all know those in the truck and everyone doing so much other work that don't always get seen on, on the front of your television screen are just as important, if not more important than what we do. Um, so for me, the fact that also I and Eagle won, um, and the one thing I will pump is that we were the first broadcast team in, in New York Emmy history to win at the same time or the same year. Um, our producer, Frank DeGrace, also won. And he's extraordinary, tremendous. And he's another huge reason. Um, our director, who it, it's for last year. Um, so he was doing the Mets. Now he's with us, but he won for the Mets. So I'm like, it, to me, I know, but it, to me, it just was... It was great for the whole team. It was great for everyone to win. And the last thing I'll say about it is I think so many people talk about like, oh, this motivates me. Like the haters motivate me, critics motivate me. And you know, I got a chip on my shoulder because of this. I always, I think all the time, Mike Conley Jr., um, who I'm a huge fan of and now with the Jazz, but was with the Grizzlies um, for the most of the duration of his career. So being traded to the Jazz. Um, he had a quote a couple of years ago. He was talking about something and he said, it's not on my agenda to prove those who don't believe in me wrong. It's on my agenda to prove those who do believe in me right. And while it seems like it was, you know, and all of this has been great and obviously, you know, a, a nice move. The people who with Yes Network, my bosses, um, they, they took a risk, like they took a risk. A lot of people, and I, and I know this, and I wouldn't speak about this for like, what are you doing and why are you making her the lead analyst? And um, I know there was a lot of people that maybe questioned what they were doing and they believed in me. They took a risk. They felt like it was the right move. Um, so that was, that was my favorite part, um, knowing that I could return the, the favor and the belief that they had in me more than anything. That, that to me, was what I was most most excited about. That's pretty dope. That's dope. Like outside of basketball, you're doing a couple other things too. Like you'll be on Colin Cowherd's show. I've seen you doing sidelines, doing football stuff. What parts of those things do you like? Um, that's that's it's just funny you asked me that because I was just talking. I was talking to Ian Eagle. Speaking of um, my uh, my broadcast partner, who also does a lot of NFL. And we always talk about the NFL stuff. And I'm fortunate enough, Fox um, has me do a handful of games when they fit throughout the course of the schedule, a season. And we were talk talking about something. And I was like, my favorite part for as much as I always, I still love the NFL. And I'm a huge fan of the NFL. Uh, I was, my favorite part are the coaches meetings. He's like, Sarah, I try and like miss those. He's like, what, what, what are you talking about? I was like, no, I can sit there because obviously it's different um and how they approach and the strategy and everything but i'm like i could sit and listen to coaches talk about how they approach things whether it's actually the, the x's and o's on the field or how they motivate guys or what they think about things um i'm always so just 
infatuated with, okay, how does your mind work that you're trying to help your team compete and win? And I think the NFL, as you know, is so unique and different than what we see in the NBA or even the NHL. MLB included of the the frequency of games for the NFL. It is this is the the lead up to the week. What it means getting in there Friday, sitting down, sitting with both teams, um, getting to know whether it's the players better, the coaches better, and then that that game Sunday, being in those stadiums, uh, it, it's a whole different feel. Not and um, for as much as the NBA is in my heart because of basketball, that type of stuff I can't get enough of. I'm like, when you get the chance to go inside um, just the heads and the minds and the brains of what goes on with these different teams, um, same goes when I get to do some college football, uh, you know, out at LSU last, um, this past season and just listening to, you know, Coach O talk or what Joe Burrow had, like this, and then you kind of follow up. And then for me, I end up keeping tabs on maybe some teams or things that I wouldn't before and um, that's that's what I love, and, and also getting to know the the people behind the players that we watch. Because people always ask, "Oh, what teams you root for?" What I was like, half the time I'm rooting for people, or I'm mm-hmm. rooting for, for the good for what I'm like. Wow, they really impressed me with who they are as a person, uh, and that's what I love that we have an opportunity to get to see that. I wonder if that's because you played at such a high level that you harken back to being in a room with Doug Bruno and, and going, <laughs> go <laughs> be like, how do these guys when work? When's he going to make me recite if she goes left or right? Uh, what's her favorite move? No, but, you, but you're right. And that's true. And even, you know, even the year that, that I was assistant coach with him and, you know, the scouting, the coaching, the recruiting, um, all like all of that stuff. Um, I get to, I'm fortunate enough again with Fox, it's called Big East Men's College Games. And, you know, whether it's listening, okay, what is, you know, Jay Wright is so different than Ed Cooley, but how do they, you know, how do their minds operate? Kevin Willard and what he looks at and Miles Powell, like getting the frequency of just understanding how um, they go about their business, how they prepare. And I too think, um, yeah, as a player, like knowing what that feels like, like you remember what that felt like sitting there, you know, day before a big game or, um, you know, the, the ups and the downs that go along with it. I just, it's awesome. I just think it's so cool and it's so special. Before I let you go, I, I want to ask you a little bit about prep. For for the person that's going to see this or listen to this, what is it that you do? Like, let's say the Nets are playing the Bulls tomorrow. What type of preparation are you doing before you go on the air? Um, I think that... I think in some ways, as you probably know, the some of the prep and the buildup comes from the fact that you've you've already kind of pre-prepped a decent amount. And I say that by saying it's not the more that you can do to get yourself prepared, even if you don't have to do it. And I guess it's a little bit easier, you know, knowing the course of the NBA schedule. But I try to watch, even if there's a, a random game on a Tuesday night that are, you know, it's a Bucks Pacers game and I'm not going to see either of those teams for a while but like you want to watch and you want to see that and you were asking about some of those the other different morning shows maybe a lot of that we're talking about you know more of the the national topics or what's happening with the Lakers or what's happening with Clippers or, or things that aren't necessarily within the course of my prep for the next game so I say that to say I think with all of that 
um, you, you, the more you're do, you have a good feel, like you've maybe seen the teams, you've seen the players, you, you have a sense for how they play, what they do. I always baseline, and depending on how much time you have, um, give or take, baseline, I always want to watch the last, the last game for both teams um, and watch it in full and not just clips. There's some great um, different type of whether it's synergy, um, there, there's, you know, a, a bunch of different, um, I guess, for edit type of things where you can look at just clips or just offensive clips, defensive clips, breakdown players. That's great. And I think I, that's really useful for me if I want to dig closer into certain aspects of how a team plays. But I like to see it in full and see it as they run out, see what's happened most recently. Um, so baseline, always want to watch previous game of the last two teams. Once I do that um, and you start to make your board and you're putting whatever players you have, that's when I'll then go start going back through the numbers. Um, I, I'm interested in numbers. I like to see things, but I also think they can be deceiving. Um, I think in many ways, you know, there's gotta be the eye test to go along with the numbers. Um, so for different teams, you know, I'll go through whether, whether it's pace, whether it's offensive rating, whether it's, you know, where they get a lot of their, I think pace is always so important because that sometimes dictates what numbers look like, but where are they getting a lot of their points? Is it, you know, is it off second chance points? Is it in the fast break or they get to the free throw line and they shoot a lot of threes? Some of those nuances of, okay, what, what's the consistency of how they play? Do that for each individual player. And then I like to go into, okay, what have they done the last last five games what have they done the last 10 games because I too think you know in, in a season that's you know, whatever they play now most teams around 60 65 if you just look at a season number or season average a guy could be shirt shooting you know 30 percent from the three-point line but he could be red hot the last five games and um, you know so that I like to know when you're going into it, if you're talking about a guy, oh, he's an, he's an average three point shooter. But if you don't do that next level of, yeah, but he's been absolutely, you know, shooting the lights out throughout the course of the last couple of games, things like that. And I think too, then you just start to look at matchups, who you think is going to match up against who, how that affects maybe how they may play um, rotations, dig into articles. Um, you know, if you're playing Chicago, get to the articles of what's most recent. And then I think more important than anything, as you know, and that's why it's um, beautiful, the, the community that we have with so many of us in the media. Like if I talk to run into Casey Johnson for five, 10 minutes before a game, um, ask him some questions or Stacy King or, you know, you name it, um, you, get, you, you get the picture and you get a snapshot of, okay, this is what's happening from the people who are around it every single day. And I think we're all there and accessible and you have, um, you know, you have those, whether it's part of the, the other team's broadcast crew or those who are beat writers that cover it. Um, even some of the, you have relationships with, you know, coaches on the staff, some former players, um, but all that, I think more than anything, then when you just are in a constant communication with different people, whether in an organization, around the organization, you get a really good feel. And then you can kind of put that all together and, 95% of the stuff you probably won't even use in the broadcast. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> dictates it. Um, but, but that's my point. But it's all you've collected in some way, it's in your head. So, you know, a month from now or two months from now, if something happens or this player gets traded, or all of a sudden it's, it's um, 
the collection grows. And I just think in general, um, that it's, it's not one of those things where you cram it for a test. Like then you know it, you know it, and it builds season by season. And I think at the end of the day, that's what can help make you really good because it's not about, okay, I just looked at this stuff. You know it and you've seen it and you watched it and you're speaking from something that, that you truly have looked at and researched on your own. I was joking with Jeff Glick about this, <laughs> that at one point... <laughs> That one point, he, there's a a sports department at Channel Five that has Paula Ferris, Sarah Kustak, and I, I mean, I'll throw myself in as like the other sure. part Lauren, of it. Don't tell you, you you put yourself right in there with us. But Paula's got a best selling book right now, like a New York Times bestseller. You <laughs> you've got an Emmy, like that, like that place, man. It, it's been a a jumping off point, whether it was your stuff that you were doing with uh, CSN back then. I look back at an old clip of AJ Przinsky giving you the business with the uh, shaving cream uh, <laughs> while you're doing a stand up. Chicago misses you. Chicago absolutely misses you. I, I miss and I love Chicago. And I wouldn't be, I would not be who I am or what I am or any part of um, anything I am without Chicago. And I mean that whether professionally, personally, all of it, it's, it's always in my heart. All of you are. It's a real treat for me from us going to sitting on that desk together on sports Sunday, like your first oh, time doing I, it. We, may, we need to re-rack that. I need to find some old pictures. Of that. <laughs> I'll that see if fun. I can find some. Cause that was, I, I need to find some. That was fun. It was fun. I'm really, really proud of you. And I'm, I hope that you continue to succeed and thrive and I hope the NBA season comes back so that people can, even if you're doing it remotely, if you and I are calling the game from a studio in New York, I, I, I want to see you back on the call. So thanks for being on my podcast. I truly, truly appreciate it. It was an honor, Lawrence, an absolute honor. So thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. So we are all done. And thanks. I, I know. It, oh, I. It's so good to see you and talk to you. This has been great. Yeah. Are you good? Everything okay? You, you solid? Good. All good. All good. No complaints. Yeah. Everything we've been working and doing shows and random stuff from here. And um, yeah, New York is, it's crazy that it's, um, it was one of those, the numbers and everything was so bad, but like, it's kind of empty too. So I've been running along the river, put on a mask, walk, still get fresh air, still get out. So good. um, Yeah. I'm bummed not to get that. It is the crazy thing though. Thinking about like, if you're off normally, I'd like be back in Chicago or, you know, see my nieces and nephews and stuff like that. And just hopefully it'll get to a point. Still haven't really felt comfortable getting on a plane or something. yet. I'm with you on that. Like that's going to be a while for me. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. And I'm not someone who's overly worried. That's, you know, I've talked to people. I'm like, I'm not someone that's overly nervous or worried about things. I just, I don't want to mess around with this. It's not worth it. Nope. It's just off being, being safe. And you've seen um, it up close. Like, I'm sure that that flight, that flight that you took back from L.A. was scary as hell. Oh, Lawrence, it was. And the crazy thing, that's what, like, we all kept talking about. They had us, they had us quarantined. And that's why we were all nervous. They, so we find out the news, whatever. They told not to leave the hotel. And they rent out a part, like one of the restaurants, they shut it down. Um, I shouldn't say rent out. The hotel shuts it down, but they're like, you guys, so you can leave your rooms, you know, player, whatever, those in the travel party can come down there. So we are all, there's what, maybe 40, 45 of us in the tribe between the team, the coaches, um, 
I and I think had already, he didn't come yet. He left back, our producer had left. So yeah, but anyway, um, but we were all just like, what? and we ended up, th that was the other aspect. We were all making fun of DeAndre Jordan because he wouldn't go near anyone. And he kept, but like, they, mm. and we didn't really, you know, like you understand the magnitude and how scary, but you're also like, we're all together. And then we get that guy test positive. And they're and they call all of us. They're like, we unless you have symptoms, we can't test you because there's not a lot of tests. But like, you have to totally isolate and self quarantine. So then everyone's like, oh my gosh, this. So it's just it, yeah. I think just the unknown. Um, and yeah, but I, it's I'm glad it got real quick because to your point about the Big East or college, like I don't think anyone realized how severe it was, and who knows if all those things get played. Yeah. Well, there there's a study that. There was a soccer game in Italy that that everyone in Italy thinks was ground zero for how bad things got in Italy. No way. Yeah, like it was a Italian Serie A game, and there were sixty thousand people there. And then, like three weeks later, and they traced it all the way back. Like they looked back, and they were like, "Well, this is why because here's what you had going on." So it's. It's all like super scary, really scary. But um, thanks for doing this. You are really top notch. And you're the best. You're Truly, awesome. I and I appreciate all your kind words. And I'm just, I really am. I'm thankful. Those were fun times. I'm not kidding you. Back NBC Sports, goodness. Yeah, man. Yeah. It fun it's uh, all good. Well, have a great rest of your day. Stay out of mm -hmm. trouble. And I'll let you know if uh, if we do end up not switching time. And staying on on this time instead of going back to standard time oh, in the fall. Crazy. I at first almost said ha ha like I thought you were kidding. And then I'm like, oh no, I think he's actually being serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're 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 a weird state these days, but oh, oh, hang in there. Just hang in there. I will. You be good, okay? Awesome, Lawrence. All right, I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Bye. It'll be good having Sarah calling basketball again. I know that she's never more comfortable than when she's talking about ball. So to have the NBA come back, hopefully it stays back and we get more Sarah and I in calling games. But if there is an NFL, she's going to be a part of some of those broadcasts too. And that's super exciting as well. So big thanks to Sarah Kustak for giving me 45 minutes and, and, and hanging out with me like just like two friends would. And that's that's what we are. And I'm really, really proud of her. Not that she needs my validation for anything, but I'm really proud of, of what she what she's done to get to where she is, how hard she works, how good of a person she is. She's really she's a tremendous human being with a lot of grace. So I'm proud of her. Very, very happy. I haven't done this in a while. Let me look at, at some of your emails. And if you'd like to email the podcast, you can. Houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. And those emails are brought to you by our buddy, David Hochberg. Visit 56david.com. If you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to buy a place, if you just want someone to bounce some financial ideas off of, this is the guy. If you're thinking about making some big money moves, this is the guy that can help you with that. 56david.com, Homeside Financial, Equal Housing Lender, 
NMLS 1124061. 56david.com. Let me look at your emails. You guys have been very nice with the emails. It's appreciated. I know it's been a while since we've done this, but there's been a lot that's been going on. <laughs> a lot. And people want to reach out to me, whether it's about this particular podcast or if it's about other stuff that I do. So here's some of your emails, and I appreciate you reaching out and tell you that I love that you listen, and I appreciate that you you dig what we try to do. This from Mike, who says, I just wanted to take a minute and let you know I really enjoy the podcast. I'm a media junkie, and it's great to hear the stories of how people made it. I'm a sucker for that stuff and get to compare it to my own journey. Well, good luck with your podcast, Matt. Wait, hold on. It says Mike here, but it says the Matt A podcast. Oh, oh, the Matt about a cola podcast. Ah, you didn't think you could spell his name. So you just made it Matt A. Yeah, the Batacola podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should definitely go back and check it out. It was really good, and I think that there are a lot of lessons in in listening to Maddie. I did see that the job at US ninety nine came available. I feel like Maddie should apply for that job, and if you listen to the podcast, you'll understand why. But Mike, thank you very much. I appreciate that you listen to this podcast while you're driving around. That's the goal. It's a really fantastic goal. This is from Arthur. Arthur says, hey, Lawrence, I hope you get this. I'm a black retired old timer. I don't do Twitter, Facebook, etc. And don't know how to text. Email is the only thing I'm comfortable with. Longtime fan going back to when you first started on 670 The Score. Love your show and enjoy seeing you on NBC Sports Chicago. I was listening when you were talking about Dick Allen. I'm a huge Dick Allen fan. I believe he was the best baseball player ever, bar none. Had all the talent skills and could run, hit for average and power. Defend excellent knowledge of the game's nuances. Being brought up in the racial climate would affect anyone and make them angry and rebellious against the man. Yeah. No doubt. Without a doubt, he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Dick Allen has a lot of pride and will not promote himself. I hope the sports writers band together and vote him in. He deserves to be inducted. I'm with you. I'm with you on this, man. He should be in. He's got like a 926 OPS. It's ridiculous. Please do yourself a favor and read Dick Allen's book, Crash, The Life and Times of Dick Allen. Okay, I'll order it right now. Right now. Thanks, Art. I appreciate the nice words, and I really appreciate the recommendation. That's a, that's a guy whose stories should be told. It should be told a little bit more. This text from J.D. Hey, Lawrence, love the podcast with your dad. Two questions. First, I cannot find your dad's book on DuSable online. It, it's out of stock and out of print. Yeah, man, it's, it's done. I mean, you wrote that a long time ago. And I saw Jason Leisure. My man, Jason Leisure, was like, I want to buy your dad's book. And then he saw you can get it for like $1,000. So, yeah, it's out of print. So I apologize for that. Second question from J.D., was he at Washington for his whole career? What years was he there? Both my parents went there. My aunt taught there for many years. He was there. He wasn't there his entire career. It was at the end of his career. So I want to say it was like 16 or 17 years. 
like the late nineties, like the the mid nineties, actually the early nineties, like the early nineties until he retired, and I want to say he retired in two thousand and seven. So he he helped a lot of kids. They loved him. I actually did some coaching over at Washington for a while. And being Mr. Holmes' son, geez, those kids really, really like my dad. And you heard why. Having a teacher that is willing to take your feedback and then add it to his own curriculum, that's pretty dope. But thanks for the email. I appreciate it. Keep the emails coming. I like it. I actually like this part being a part of the podcast where we can talk and you can recommend whether it's people I should talk to or books, stuff like that. I dig that. Add that into what it is we do with the podcast. But thank you for that. And please go back and listen to the episode with my dad. It's the one right before this. And then the one with Matt Abaticola is right before that. Both of them are worthy of your time. But thank you, as per usual, for the time today. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Sarah Kustak. I know I enjoyed it. She's great, and she's going to continue to do great things. Thanks again to our new sponsor, David Hochberg, 56david.com. Homeside Financial Equal Housing Lender, MLS, I'm sorry, NMLS. 1124061. Again, that's 56david.com. So go check out what he's going got going on over there, especially if you are buying a house or if you're trying to refinance. He will help you. I promise you that. I'll see you next week. Peace.